everyone. I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Welcome back, Awesomes. You are listening to the show that is all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. We are in your earbuds every single week with all the awesome that you need to know. And you can find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or over on Facebook in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group. This is episode 244 of Sorta Awesome. And we're so glad that you've joined us today. You know, if you guys are new to Sorta Awesome, you may be wondering about this new series that we've been dropping episodes of in the Sorta Awesome feed every now and again, and it's called Sorta Awesome Plus. What we are doing with Sorta Awesome Plus is we've created a whole new series that we've been sharing with our superstar awesomes almost every single day. Now, our superstar awesomes are our supporters on Patreon. They support Sorta Awesome. They support the mission and the message of what we are doing with Sorta Awesome for just $5 a month. And we have created all kinds of bonus content for them in the past. We really ramped it up during this time of quarantine. My husband, Kyle, and I have been recording some daily conversations and sharing them with you guys. The superstars get access to these every day, either by video or in their podcast feed. But we've been dropping a few teasers into the main feed so you guys can check it out too. So if you're wondering where you can find all of that sort of awesome plus content, plus hours and hours of bonus content that we have created for our superstars in the past, plus an exclusive hangout group on Facebook, you can totally get signed up for that. It's so easy when you go to patreon.com slash sort of awesome. Well, like I said, this is episode 244 of sort of awesome. I'm joined today by my Darling little sister, Emily, who is also at home, staying safe at home down in Dallas, where she is trying to, you know, juggle being a teacher from home for her art students, her middle school art students, and is taking a break from all of that, stopping by today to talk about TV stuffs with me. Hi, Emily. How are you? I'm great. And I'm really excited to talk about TV because I love TV. We talk about TV in our real lives so much, don't we? Yes, we do. A lot. We almost always have a show that we're watching, either binge watching or watching in real time to talk about. And of course, Emily being 14 months younger than I am, we growing up watched a lot of the same TV. Whatever was on in our house back in those days, whatever was on is what you had to watch. <laughs> yes. A lot of options. <laughs> So we thought it would be so fun this week to do a little bit of a TV deep dive just by talking about some of our favorite TV characters. Now, when we started prepping for the show, I think we were both like, what have we gotten ourselves into? <laughs> <laughs> well, because we both had so many to pick from. Yes, of course. Like I just started kind of to get my mind going in the right space and to remind myself of different characters through the years. I started Googling like best TV characters of the 80s and 90s and whatever. And oh my gosh, I was like, well, I'm going to need a list of 100. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about this four hour episode. I'm sort of awesome. What we kind of talked about and decided to do was like if we were going to have one of those imaginary dinner parties where you invite 
people to sit down with and have a dinner party together. If you could invite four of your favorite TV characters who you just want to spend a little more time with, you want to hang out with them, who would be on your list? So after much mental work (laughs) and much laboring and (laughs) angst, we have both narrowed down to a list of four TV characters. So we're going to share those with you here in just a little bit. We actually even also cleared our list with each other to make sure we didn't have any crossover, which we almost did. Yes. But we have four characters each. We're going to get to all of that in just a very few short minutes. But first, Emily, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our Awesomes of the Week. It's that moment in the show where we take some time to talk about, well, sometimes TV shows, sometimes books or movies, podcast products, whatever is making life just a little bit more awesome right now. Emily, what do you have for us this week, my dear? All right. My Awesome of the Week is a book, and it's pretty popular right now. Okay. It is the book. Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Yes, so many people are buzzing about this book. So many people talking about it. Yes. So essentially, I mean, I feel like it's a lot of memoir, but it's a lot of just like, you know, she's written, I think, two books before this that I did not read, but would love to. You know, it's a memoir, but it's also just like coming into her own and, you know, I think there's a big reason why it's called Untamed because, you know, she grew up being told, you know, how to act and how to look and all of that. And I think it's just her kind of pouring her heart out. And, you know, she was married for like, gosh, I want to say 14 years to her kid's father. And now she is married to soccer player Abby Wambach. And I think they've been married for a good probably two or three years now. And, you know, it's a lot about their life together and their blended family. and. There's just so many insights to it. I'm loving it. I'm about a third of the way through, but I'm loving it so much. Oh, good. I'm so glad that it's so good. I've heard so many people saying that it is definitely on their to-be-read list right now, or they're reading it right now and are just really enjoying Glennon. Her personality is so engaging, and she does have such a fascinating story. So I can only imagine that there's just so much to dig into there. Yes. It's really good. It's very insightful. She has a lot of stuff, even though like she is in a very unique situation. I mean, I think there's just so many truths that are probably universal for a lot of women. Yes, totally. Okay. Well, that is Untamed by Glennon Doyle. We will put a link in the show notes for that. I actually also have a book this week, Emily. It is a book that you and I kind of already talked about because I put this on my things to look forward to in spring of 2020 list that you and I, we did that episode earlier this year. Yes. And so it's called The Office, the untold Mm -hmm. story of the greatest sitcom of the 2000s and oral history. Yes. (laughs) So this is written by Andy Green and he's a Rolling Stone writer. And what he has done is really done the work to compile a true history of a true deep dive into the office. He starts with how the idea even came to be and how Greg Daniels, who was the showrunner for the office for many years, took the idea that had already been formed by Stephen Merchant and Ricky Gervais for the British version of the office and adapted it for American TV. And in doing so, it's not just essays. It's actually very little of Andy Green's personal like narrative writing of the story. Right. He has taken interviews from the cast, 
the writers, the directors, NBC studio executives, like anybody who had a hand in the production of The Office at all during its run, he has had these conversations with. So he took all of those interviews and broke it all down into an incredible story. Now, I actually am listening to the audiobook version of this. I had some Audible credits, and so I went ahead and picked this up. I will tell you an interesting thing about the audiobook is it's not read by the people who are interviewed. They don't lend their voices to the reading. It's a cast of, what's the word, like audio actors or whatever. Voice that do, actors, yeah. Voice yeah. actors, yes, who do the reading for everybody in the cast. So that takes a little getting used to. And so I really like it because it does go from perspective to perspective from all these different people. And after a while, you kind of get used to the voice actor who's narrating that person's part, their interviews. You kind of get used to it. And it feels like watching, you know, like a behind the music on VH1 or something like that. Right. It really does. So the setup for this book, again, is that he takes you behind the scenes and tells how the story came together. And then sprinkled throughout the book, they will do a feature on different characters. For example, there's an entire chapter on Dwight Schrute and how Rain Wilson really had this vision for the character of Dwight Schrute and how he brought a lot of the storytelling, a lot of the backstory for Dwight's character to that character. So there'll be like little character spotlights. They'll also do what they call key episodes. So they'll kind of talk about each season broadly, like what was going on in the context of the show, in the context of our culture, things like how the writer's strike of the, you know, early mid 2000s affected the show. So they'll kind of talk broadly about the seasons and then they'll dig deep into specific episodes like the Dundies, like Threat Level Midnight, Mm -hmm, (laughs) you know, mm -hmm. some of these really important episodes. So yeah. I just have been completely binging this, listening to it, Emily. It is so good. Now, I told you, I thought you should definitely, because you love The Office probably more than I do. Yes. I highly recommended this to you. Look, okay, you're holding up your (laughs) copy. (laughs) So you got it in print. How is it reading it in print as opposed to audio, which is how I'm reading this one? You know... Well, I think it's probably different, but let me tell you why it's different. So I listened to Office Ladies podcast by Jenna Fisher Mm -hmm. and Angela Kinsey, and they talk a lot, and I mean a lot, because they console with these people a lot about the people I'm reading about, like Paul Feig, Mm -hmm. you know? And so a lot of these people that they have been talking about on the podcast, I'm following on Instagram or social media. And so when I see that they're getting, you know, for example, Paul Feig's take, I'm like, okay, I know who that is. Like I can picture that person. Right. And so amazing. Now, you know, I am not a fast reader. I bought this book on Saturday and I've over halfway through with it. Yes. And that was just a few days ago. Just a few days ago. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. It is so good. If you love The Office, like if you really are one of those people like Emily and I, who just kind of go back and rewatch and rewatch and rewatch, I highly recommend this book. It brings so much meaning, just like the little details. I don't know. You can really nerd out about everything about The Office in this book. Well, you know, just to mention something that I did not know is that like when they start, you know, their season one was so small. It was like five or six episodes. Six episodes. Yeah. When the reviews came out, they were horrible. (laughs) Yes. That's right. It was just going to be a flop. No one thought it was going to be successful. 
And I was talking, because, you know, Corey is like a huge Office fan too. And I was talking to him about that. And he was like, yeah, because Michael Scott in the first season was not a nice person. Exactly. He was a jerk and, you know, people didn't get the humor of it. And, you know, I have friends who have watched just season one of The Office and they're like, I don't get it. Well, you don't get it because season one is so, so incredibly different than the rest of the seasons. Yep. That is so fascinating that you brought that out because, and they really go into this in the book, in the first season, the first six episodes, they really were trying to kind of mirror the tone and the thing that the British version of The Office had done. Well, Ricky Gervais was one of the showrunners and creators of that show. And he definitely, his character, which was not named Michael Scott, I can't remember what his character name is, David something, I think, is truly, truly, truly a jerk. And that's how he plays for that whole series. But what they decided to do for American audiences, and because Steve Carell has an incredible range as an actor, they took a pivot at the end of that first season collaboratively as a writer's room, as Greg Daniels being the showrunner and with Steve Carell. And they decided to really add a lot of depth to the Michael Scott character. They literally changed his hairstyle. You know, in the first season, it's like all slicked back and kind of douchey looking. And they changed his haircut to be a little bit more, you know, like approachable in the second season. And they gave him heart. Like he says and does problematic things throughout the whole series for sure. But you start to see him as a person, a person who truly like his coworkers are his family. And once you begin to understand that that is the perspective that Michael Scott is coming from, you understand that even though he is so cringy, he has a good heart underneath it all. And that was like the big turning point for the show to where audiences really started to love The Office. Well, and it really comes out that Michael Scott is a lonely person. And so, you know, like you said, in the book, it says that like, Michael Scott, the character, believes that his employees and coworkers should be his family because he doesn't have connections outside of the office. Yes, I know. Oh, it's so good, you guys. I wish I could do a book club on the office book because there's just so much. You and I should just have our own little private book club debrief whenever you're done because we can talk about all of this stuff. It's so good. Okay, so that is Andy Green's book, The Office. Again, I'm loving it on audio. Emily's reading the print version and she said it's also great. So we will put a link in the show notes for you guys to check that out. And I have to give a big shout out to Awesome Corey. I was over in our Facebook group for the podcast currently reading, our friends of the show currently reading, hosted by two awesomes, Meredith and Katie. Their Patreon has a Facebook group. So I asked in there, I was like, I need a behind the scenes tell all kind of story. Corey gave me an amazing list and this was on there. And I was like, you have such a ding dong. I forgot that I recommended. (laughs) Hey, when the office comes out, you guys should read it. And I totally forgot. (laughs) Anyway, thank you again, Corey, for reminding me that this is the second time I recommended the book. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Okay, so we will have a link in the show notes to both of those books. And of course, we want to hear what is awesome in your life right now. We do this every Friday over on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show and our Awesome of the Week thread there. And you know you can find us on Facebook in our Hangout group where we are all hanging out, keeping each other company, keeping each other focused on 
the things that are positive, even in the midst of a stressful time on our planet. And of course, we do have our Awesome of the Week thread every Friday over there as well. So please come and join us if you haven't done that yet. You can find us at facebook.com slash groups slash Sorta Awesome Hangout. Okay, y'all, we are almost two months into this quarantine life. And while some things have gotten easier and more awesome, one thing has not, and that is how challenging it is for me to teach my children at home, especially our kiddos who are in the early elementary years. I just feel like there is a lot at stake, and I'm pretty sure I am not qualified to do all of this, you know. Thankfully, we just discovered an incredible resource called Revolution Math. Here's how it works. Revolution Math is a weekly interactive learning program, and each week your child meets with a math tutor live and online and a few other kids in the same age group. Together and through fun, engaging storytelling, they work on solving math problems in real time. This program is geared towards students in the second to fifth grade age range, and right now, they are offering an incredible deal, a 30-day trial of Revolution Math for just $1. With your trial, you get four weeks of math instruction plus a complimentary learning kit with the materials and supplies that will support your child in their new math adventures. Parents can track their child's progress online and through weekly video updates from trained teachers. I honestly cannot believe what an incredible program Revolution Math has put together, and they are bringing so much fun and education to so many families right now. And again, you can check it all out for just $1 for 30 days. Now, this is the important part. To get the $1 trial, you need to use our sort of awesome affiliate code, and that code is AWESOME1. That's A-W-E-S-O-S me and the number one when you sign up at revolutionmath.com. Once again, that's revolutionmath.com code awesome one. This is the perfect time to check out what Revolution Math can do for the students in your family. And at a dollar for 30 days, you really have nothing to lose. So go to revolutionmath.com and use code awesome one at checkout. All right, Emily, we have prepared our lists. Yes. We are ready to share. We are ready to reveal to the world something kind of personal. Like I think it says a lot about who you are as a person. Oh, yeah. As you talk about some of your favorite TV characters of all time would be. So I'm going to let you with this big responsibility. I hope you're ready. I'm going to let you start our list with your first pick. All right. Now, I've made a list, and I am going to talk about these not in any particular order, okay? Okay, yes. Okay, so my first character is Phoebe Buffay from Friends. Phoebe Buffay! So great! Okay, so I love her, and I mean, who doesn't love every character on Friends? But I picked Phoebe... Because she is so different. Yes. I mean, Joey's kind of, you know, an airhead. But I feel like Phoebe is ditzy in a different way because her ditziness is still clever. Like, it still comes off as clever. You know, she's kind of a loose cannon. Like, there are so many things <laughs> that, like, even her friends don't know about her. You know, like, things come up. Totally, yes. Things come up about her in the middle and even in the end of the seasons and her friends are like wait what what are you talking about yes. and she's like oh it's a long story i can't even you know she had a hard life growing up like if you think about 
everything that happened to her character as, you know, a young person and a teen and, you know, living on the street and all of this. And, but she still has this great outlook on life. Yes. And she's funny. And also, Lisa Kudrow, I don't know if you've ever watched, like, one of my favorite things to do is to watch bloopers from shows. And Lisa Kudrow is like the giggliest actress I'm sure. on that show because <laughs> that's just her. That's just the kind of person that she is. And I think a little bit of that comes through on the show. So, yes, so great. She would be so great to have at a dinner party because she's going to be one of those people that there will never be a dull moment, you know, right, based on right. she would make crazy comments or tell stories that you're just like, oh, okay, right, really, right. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's so interesting to me that you chose Phoebe because I know that you do love Friends and yeah. Friends is another perpetual rewatch, you know, kind of background show for you, so... It's also funny because you said, who doesn't love everyone in this show, Friends? Well, there are some people who have big feelings about that cast. It'll like, oh, yeah. hate, hate, hate Ross Geller. Oh, yes. Or, yes. you know. Right, right. <laughs> but yeah, Phoebe is a great one for sure. Yeah. Okay, well, the first one on my list is the character of Julia Sugarbaker okay. from the TV show Designing Women. Yes. So to take you guys back in time, Designing Women ran from 1986 to 1991. So this was a moment in time for sure. Yes. So I would have been about 11 when this show started. And the character of Julia Sugarbaker is played by the late, great Dixie Carter, who was an amazing actress from the South. She was from Tennessee originally and just known for just, that was like sort of her thing where these genteel Southern lady roles. And so she plays the character of Julia Sugarbaker, who owns an interior design firm, along with her sister, Suzanne. Mm-hmm. And the show takes place in the 1980s in Atlanta, Georgia. So one of the reasons that I really loved Designing Women in general, it was a very funny show, but also I loved Julia specifically is because she gave me a picture and a model for what a thriving, vibrant, professional woman could possibly look like. Right. That she was, you know, very well put together. And of course, as an interior designer, like the taste and aesthetic of the set, the clothes that she wore, all of those types of things was so classy and just so, I don't know, so different from the house of chaos that you and I grew up in. <laughs> where there were, It doesn't look that different from my house now with piles of clutter everywhere. Right. And, Right. Kids shoes all over the place and, you know, random pairs of underwear on the <laughs> stairs and like <laughs> definitely not the Designing Women set. The interesting thing to me about looking back on Designing Women is that it was written by the showrunner was Linda Bloodworth Thomason, who was actually a speechwriter for the Clinton campaign in the 90s. And so she brought a lot of her sort of political ideals and ideas to the writing of Designing Women. And so one of the interesting things, one of the concepts for Designing Women is that it gave you a picture of like the new South, where people are not as bigoted and they are more embracing of people who are different. Now, again, this is a show that was of a time. <laughs> it was in the late 80s and early 90s. So what we might consider progressive today 
is not the same as what they considered progressive. <laughs> but they did kind of really start to push the envelope, especially if you look at a show that takes place in the South in terms of embracing people who are gay or who are people of color, just people who are outside of, you know, sort of upper society of the South at the time. And so I really loved that. Now, the show did sometimes get a little bit problematic. Again, this was the late 80s. And so what felt really progressive and like, look at us, we're doing so great with not being racist. (laughs) In in retrospect, it's still a little racist. Right. There was an episode that was, oh gosh, when was this? This was like a New Year's Eve episode where one of the characters, Charlene, goes into labor. The concept for the episode is that everybody gathers together at the hospital to wait while Charlene's giving birth to her baby. And Anthony, who is a black man character on the show, brings a girlfriend type person with him. And her name is Vanessa. And she, like in retrospect, really picks up on a ton of stereotypes about black women. And again, these are stereotypes, not anything that I'm saying that, you know, like that is funny now. But they have her show up in like a mini skirt and she's got her hair is crazy. And most importantly, the thing that's super problematic is that she is just being really loud and ignorant and inappropriate. And it just paints a really poor picture of, you know, what a black woman would look like as she shows up to wait with her boyfriend and friends for a baby to be born. Right. Really kind of tries to take the idea that she's just like this really loud over the top character. But now in 2020, looking back, it's like, oh, gosh, there's mm-hmm. some big problems. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I'm talking about the character of Julia Sugarbaker being one of my favorites. Yes. But I am acknowledging that the show itself had some issues going on. Right, there. right. For sure. But anyway, to get back to it, Julia Sugarbaker, just such a lovely woman, gave me such an idea because you know, we grew up, Emily, you and I, in a sort of church culture that put a lot, a lot, a lot of heavy emphasis on women really preparing to be stay-at-home moms and wives for the entirety of their years after they get married. And so I feel like we didn't have a lot of, in our real life, a lot of models of women who were ambitious and who started businesses and all of those types of things. And so for me, she was just a really important informative character. I agree for sure. Great choice. All right. Thank you. Okay. Who is number two on your list? All right. So to follow in the idea of another really strong working character is Angela Bauer from Who's the Boss? Who's the Boss? I knew this was going to be on your list somehow, (laughs) some way. (laughs) I feel like Who's the Boss was maybe your first favorite TV oh, show. Does that feel right or wrong? Yes. When we okay. were in school and it was in syndication, it would come on right when I got home from school for like an hour and a half, like three episodes. And I would sit and eat my after school snack and watch it. I, of course, watched it when it was on whatever network it was on. I can't remember. But I just love that show. And I don't even know that I recognized this at the time. But I loved that, you know, Angela, the woman of the house was out and she was the ad executive and she was extremely successful and independent. And then Tony comes in to be their housekeeper and he's the domestic one. 
And yes. he was really good at it. And he was like totally confident in what he did. And, you know, it came to where he wasn't just the housekeeper. Like he mentored Jonathan and his daughter, Samantha, had a woman figure in her life. And so like, I mean, the storylines were kooky and crazy. And then you throw Mona in with her inappropriateness of the 80s and <laughs> probably early 90s. And, you know, it was just like such a good show. And then everybody who watched it knew that there were like these undertones of how like they were attracted to each other, Tony and Angela. And, right. You know, and it was Angela at the end or towards the end who was the one that like finally confessed her love for Tony. Like she gave him this watch that said, it's time I said I love you. And that was like the best <laughs> moment for me because obviously everybody saw their chemistry and their connection. And, you know, these two people that are so incredibly different with, with different upbringings and different backgrounds come together. And it was just like a great show. Yes, it really was. I mean, oh, that just takes me back to a moment in time, especially yeah. watching it when it was really, you know, it was airing. It was absolutely one of those shows that we did not want to miss ever. Right. Oh, my goodness. It was so good. Tony Danza in that <laughs> whole series. Hey, yo. Yes. Right. I actually say that to my kids, not just a few times. Right. <laughs> it's good for getting people's attention, for sure. Yes, it is. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so great. So fun. All right. Well, I would say the next one on my list is Will Smith as Will Smith in okay. The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. All right. I really did love this show. This is quintessential 90s TV. That series, again, Will Smith plays Will Smith on this show, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. It began in September of 1990 and ran till May of 1996. So it really captures a moment in time. This would have been late middle school and pretty much all of my high school years there. And so I don't know. I loved it so much. And I think that Will Smith really is so Will Smith on this show. He is so outgoing, so charming, so gregarious. And I would love to spend more time with that Will Smith that he played on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Now, of course, he's gone on to do lots of other kinds of acting, some comedy, some more serious, some more action-y type roles. But I love that this really came at a time when it just kind of showcased the best of his really charming, super outgoing personality. Right. Now, the character himself, he does have a few problematic moments, and I didn't think about it at the time. And of course, Again, it's one thing to sit here in 2020 and look back at this time in TV, but he was really relentlessly mean to Carlton, his right. cousin. Right, he was. <laughs> oh. And if you think about it, it's so weird because, of course, when this came on age-wise, you know, perspective-wise, I would totally identify with Will Smith. But now that I'm in my 40s, uh -huh. I'm thinking about what if, you know, a family member came to live with us and they just relentlessly picked on and were mean to one of my own kids. <laughs> it would not be a good situation. <laughs> He's also so mean and teases his Uncle Phil about his weight yeah. so much right. on that show, which again was a great source of comedy. Not, I'm not saying great. I'm just saying like a huge source of comedy for many years in comedies is to basically fat shame people. Right make fun of people for their weight. That's a whole thing. That's a whole other episode. But if you're looking and back- And that was never a thing back then. Like fat shaming no. was never thought of. Like it was really just a source of, it lend itself to a lot of scenarios where you can make people laugh. 
So exactly people's size and whatever you else you want to say about their appearance were just a constant source of jokes. And again, now we would look back on it and be like, oh my gosh, that's so cringy. Right. We don't say things like that. Right. You know, at least not on major network TV doesn't really, you know, dip into that as much anymore, I don't think. Right. But so yeah, the Will Smith character had some problems, but again, it was super of a time. So Will Smith would definitely be on my list of some of my favorite characters that I'd love to spend more time with. I think he would be super fun to have at a dinner party, talk about keeping everybody entertained, keeping everybody laughing. I think it'd be really fun. You know, what's interesting is that I almost put Carlton as one of my people. Oh my gosh. That is crazy. Because he was like, so nerdy but he was also kind of a cool nerd and then he also like created a dance that people still people that did not that, are, <laughs> that were not even born then or alive yes. then know yep. what the Carlton is so yep. yeah and I will say that the theme song for that show has stood the test of time. The oh, yeah. girls both know it. I guess it became an internet meme at some point uh-huh. because they have never been more surprised than when they, it must've come up on Spotify or something. And I could still say like every word, every yeah. single word of the theme song, which of course I'm sure most people <laughs> my age can. Right. They were literally speechless. Like, <laughs> how do you even know this? And then in turn, did you ask them, do you know what that's from? (laughs) (laughs) They were like, a show with Will Smith in it? They know who Will Smith is for sure. Right, right. Oh my gosh. So great. Okay, who's next on your list? All right, so now I'm going to take a serious turn, okay? Now, you know know how much I love sitcoms, and I easily could have created, like, Mm -hmm. a list. Yeah, maybe people are noticing (laughs) noticing a theme here. We're, like, listing all these sitcoms. (laughs) I know. Emily and I definitely have a type when it comes to TV shows that we watch. Right, okay. But I have to put this person in because, now, granted, I have not seen a lot of serious series. But this one mm-hmm. I binged watched over a very short amount of time, and that was Breaking Bad. Oh, yes. I forgot. You love this show. I love this I, show. And I must tell I you. I not watch it. <laughs> oh, and I, but Kyle did though, didn't he? It's one of Kyle's top three favorite TV series of all time. Okay. I've said this before on the show. I have any episode I've watched, I literally like watched with hands over my eyes, like barely peeking out. <laughs> it's so stressful. It's too intense for me, but people that love it really, really love it. That's true. Well, this came up also because I'm re-watching it with Corey and he's watching it for the first time. So, Oh my gosh. Okay. So there's that. So obviously my character is Walter White. He is the high school chemistry teacher who gets lung cancer and can initially, initially starts cooking meth so he can pay for his treatment and then also leave his family with enough money, you know, after he is gone. And I'm telling you, like the first probably four or five episodes, it is so boring. You know, you see that Walter White is pretty altruistic. And I literally had to convince Corey to like push through because Corey was like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And I was like, okay, here's the deal. They have to lay a baseline for Walter White. Because he doesn't start out bad. Like, he doesn't start out as this arguable villain. You know, he starts oh, right. out as yeah. just, you know, a teacher with a teenager, a wife, and a baby on the way. And so we push through. I think we're in, like, the middle of season two right now, and it's getting really good. 
And I feel like his character is so complicated. He is a very Mm -hmm. intelligent chemist who has chosen an occupation that is just so unfitting for his intelligence, which let's be honest, which is true for a lot of teachers. Mm -hmm. You know, and then as the show progresses, his character changes so much. Like he just becomes this ruthless, you know, drug dealer villain and becomes this total anti-hero. Right, 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 right. And, you know, just like so many things change, you know, because you go from like, I went from liking him in the beginning. And then towards the end, you know, you're just like, oh my gosh, like he's really going up the deep end and all of this. So, I mean, it's brilliant writing, brilliant acting. Brian Cranston is just, you know, it's funny because he was what, the dad on Malcolm in the Middle? Yes. So I almost, almost picked his role of Hal on Malcolm in the Middle is one of my favorites because I love Brian Cranston in that role. Right. So much Malcolm in the Middle is one of my very favorite series of all time. I was like this close to picking Hal from Malcolm in the Middle. I didn't. And I'm glad I didn't because you now are talking about Walter White. But yeah, Brian Cranston is amazing. What a genius of an actor he is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think that's really one of the biggest things that Kyle loves about that show is he loves an anti-hero story. He loves to look at characters who find themselves in a set of circumstances that they did not intend to find themselves in and how one choice leads to the next choice and they find themselves further and further and further into it, even if they're trying to do something good or trying to get out of it, that it just is like, when you're forced to make these really hard decisions, what do you do as a person? And that is his very, very favorite kind of show. So definitely Walter White in Breaking Bad. Kyle also loves equally, I would say, Saul Goodman's character and of course the Mm -hmm. spinoff Better Call Saul. I think he might even love Better Call Saul more than Breaking Bad. So Really? Yeah. Again, those are not my personal picks. I'm over here, <laughs> you know, watching reruns of Malcolm in the Middle, but <laughs> yeah, so that's a great character for sure. And so many other great characters on uh, Breaking Bad as well. So, Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I will go and pick a non-comedy then for my next one. Anyone okay. who knows me knows that one of my very favorite television shows of all time is Lost. And so I've thought about this for a long time, a long time. How do you pick just one character from Lost after so much deliberation, Emily? Like, (laughs) I'm embarrassed. (laughs) I spent literal days deliberating with my own self. (laughs) Who would I pick from the cast of Lost that I would want to have at a dinner party? I'm going to go with the character of Hurley. Now, this is not going to mean anything to okay. you. I don't think you've ever watched a single episode nope. of Lost. <laughs> Never watched one episode. So, but, you know, go ahead and try. <laughs> okay. The character Hurley is, his real name is Hugo Reyes. And again, he goes by Hurley. That's sort of his nickname. Okay. He is a Mexican-American man. The narrative structure of Lost is a thing. It is big and complicated. Okay. So. So the driving, the instigating action of loss, the thing that you find out in the first few minutes of the show is that there's a plane crash. Are you familiar with at least that much about loss? I know that much. (laughs) Yes. So there's a plane crash and he is one of the people who survives and is on the island. I've talked about on Sword of Awesome years ago that the island is a character in and of itself on Lost. 
So he's one of the survivors that, again, he was living in Los Angeles before he got on this doomed plane and crashed on the island. And he lived with his mother. One of my favorite things about the character of Hurley is that he is a person who struggles with mental illness. And that is something that's revealed to us a little bit more and more as his backstory unfolds. And so he has this imaginary friend called Dave who shows up periodically in his life before the crash and also when he's on the island. But he wins a lottery and wins like all this money. And then all of this terrible bad luck happens to him. All of these terrible things happen to him. And so he struggles with mental illness. And he also struggles with the idea that he himself is the cause of a lot of bad things happening in people's lives. So he's kind of this tragic character, but he's also really just so kind and loving. He is a person who's a big guy. And so again, Mm -hmm. there's certain points in the series where that's kind of dealt with, but he takes it all in stride and handles it with such grace. And I don't know, he just is so, ah, I just love him. I love Hurley. He's so, so kind and just such a good character. And then as it turns out, you know, he's kind of like the comic relief in a lot of ways throughout Lost, which has some really dark and heavy storylines. But then at the very end, oh my gosh, I might start crying. Okay. At the very end of the sixth season, the sixth season is difficult because it really begins to explore this alternate timeline where we basically find out that the main characters of Lost are experiencing what has been the afterlife for them. and. In the afterlife, Hurley describes himself as being the luckiest guy alive, whereas in his real life on Earth, he felt like he was just plagued by bad luck and caused bad luck for so many people. In the afterlife, he's like so happy and just feels like he's so lucky. And at the very, yes, and at the very end, oh man, this is where I'm just going to try to say it as quickly as I can. Okay. Jack, who's one of the main characters one of the main leads of Lost has to sort of entrust the care of the island to someone. And he picks Hurley because he was just such, (laughs) try not to cry. It's just just really embodied all of the goodness that was possible for the people on the island. So anyway, it's so good. It's so good. Now I'm going to go rewatch Lost. I'll see everybody later. Get a Kleenex. Okay, awesomes, you know, we are all shopping online so much these days, but did you know that you can make your online shopping even better? Even those of us who've been doing this for years, you absolutely can with Honey. Honey is the free online shopping tool that saves you money online. Honey automatically finds the best promo codes and applies them to your cart, which makes shopping online finally feel as easy as it is supposed to be. So just imagine you're shopping one of your favorite sites anywhere from Target to Sephora, maybe Walmart or eBay. When you check out, this little box drops down. All you have to do is click apply coupons and wait a few seconds for it to scan every promo code on the internet and watch those prices drop. Both of my girls are super into Animal Crossing these days and they found a bunch of Animal Crossing inspired goodies over on Etsy. We were so excited to use Honey when we were checking out at Etsy. It's amazing what deals you can find in every corner of the internet. Because did you know that Honey supports over 30,000 stores online and they are adding more every day. Awesomes, not using Honey is literally passing up free money. 
It's free to use and installs in just a few seconds. Plus, it's backed by PayPal so you know you can trust it. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com awesome. That's joinhoney.com awesome. I'm going to take a minute to collect myself (laughs) and let's hear the last person on your list. Number four, who you would invite to your fictional dinner party of all of your favorite TV characters. All right. This character would really, really add some interest to this proverbial dinner table. It is Dwight Schrute. Yes. Of course. One of the most fascinating, endlessly fascinating characters in television history, I think. I think I love his character because, like, in a way, what you see is what you get. But then, like, he sometimes throughout the season will contradict himself. And I read, and I'm not sure where you are in this book, The Office, but the writers of the American show, like, already had, like, they based it loosely on the character from, you know, the UK version. But they already had like right out of the gate what they wanted Dwight to be like. You know, they wanted him to be obsessed with authority and loyalty. And like he almost, when you first kind of meet him, you almost wonder if like maybe he's on the spectrum or, you know, maybe, I don't know. But he's just like, he's so serious. His job at a mid-level paper supply company is like one of the most important things to him. But also you don't know if it's because he has such a passion for selling paper and Dunder Mifflin, or is it because of Michael Scott? Because he adores Michael Scott. He's the only one that adores Michael Scott. And so like, that's where kind of the complication comes in. You know, he owns who he is. Like he literally doesn't care what people think about him. Like he just does what he does. Yep. You know, his Mm -hmm. way of thinking is just like no one that I've ever seen in a character or in real life. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's very interesting. You know, Rain Wilson was talking about in the book how like he needed to have the worst hairstyle imaginable. (laughs) And so that's why he parted it down the middle and smacked it down. Only wore yellow mustard or some sort of mustard color shirt or... You know, like, it's just, like, his character is just absolutely genius. And uh, I don't even know. I think that character spotlight in the book, The Office, made me realize that I think Dwight Trude is actually one of the most underappreciated and underrated TV characters ever. Because what Rain Wilson does with him actually is so genius. And he's so filled with so many inconsistencies. Like, yeah, he owns this beet farm and he comes from this like almost like, and they never really say like Amish. Right, right. Almost. Yeah. But at the same time, he's like really into hard rock. And I think that one of the best Dwight episodes is the one where Jim and Pam book a overnight at the bed and breakfast Uh at Shroot Farms. And it's right after he and Angela have broken up because he killed Angela's cat. (laughs) And you get to see this little glimpse of the complexity of him, how he takes his job like so seriously. And he's reading Jim and Pam Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) But then after bedtime, he's like the Jim and Pam like hear this really weird wailing sound uh-huh, and uh-huh. Jim gets up to investigate and it's Dwight crying alone in his right, room and he's so right. sad about him and Angela. I was telling the girls because they were watching some old episodes of The Office with me. I kind of low-key think that 
Dwight and Angela are the OTP, the one true pair from the office. Oh, Everyone, yeah. of course, thinks it's Jim and Pam. And of right. course, their story drives a lot of the office. But yeah. Angela and Dwight's storyline is so consistently mm-hmm. puzzling and funny and right. and the end kind of perfect. So Well, yeah, it was perfect because like towards the end, especially when you know, Dwight finds out that he's Philip's father and, you know, he wants to marry her. Well, actually, he decides to marry her even before he knows that Philip is his yes. son. You know, like Angela and Dwight, those characters soften so much because they realized that like they were meant for each other. And, you know, like their wedding was so sweet. And it's just like a perfect match. Yes. So true. So true. Okay. Well, I have one more. My last one is from one of my very, very favorite shows. And that is Scrubs, which was a comedy that ran from the 90s into the 2000s, I think. Love that show. I deliberated so much because I love so many characters on Scrubs. Mm -hmm. They are all so dear to me. I feel like they are friends. But I'm going to go with Carla Espinosa. So, of course, she's a nurse who eventually falls in love with and marries Turk, who is a surgeon at the hospital that they work at. And I picked Carla because, again, I think that she is just one of those female characters that is so consistently just strong and kind of a backbone for this cast. The cast is mostly made up of young people, of course, who are kind of discovering who they are. But she comes into this show, I feel like, really fully formed knowing who she is. She's a strong woman. You know, the nurse and doctor dynamic, I'm sure in medicine can be a little bit complicated sometimes, but she really is confident in her education and what she knows and her ability to guide these younger people who are kind of really getting into the hands-on part of medicine for the first time. She's very funny herself, a very funny person, but she kind of plays the straight person to other people's comedy throughout the show. And yeah, I just love Carla. I think that she would be so great to know in real life and to hang out with. She really would be. Yeah. She seems like the great best friend that would have so much good commentary on people who's not afraid to tell you what you need to hear. Right. And she's going to do it in a really, you know, honest way. But she also is going to be so loving and kind and caring. I don't know. I just love Carla Espinosa. This one was a really hard one to choose too, because I could have picked so many people from that show. I love it. And I've watched, golly, I've watched that thing over and over and over again. It's problematic too, everybody. Oh, just yeah. so you know. Oh yeah. It is of a time. It has a lot of jokes. Almost every episode, there's like some cringy thing that I'm just like, oh gosh, we don't <laughs> say that anymore. Don't say it. <laughs> so true. She was played by Judy Reyes. And I just think that it was just such a great character. So, oh my goodness. All right. So much TV. Can I ask you one question though? Yes. Okay. It's not a question. It's an observation. I'm really surprised that you didn't pick Jack Bauer as one of your characters. I almost did. I seriously, seriously almost did. Okay. You know, when we were planning this episode, we kind of toyed with the idea of having some honorable Uh mentions. Right, right. (laughs) Because we just couldn't cut it down. He was going to be one of my honorable mentions. I love Jack Bauer. I love the show 24. Yeah. It was such great TV. That was when that this was again in pre-streaming days, pre-DVR days, really. Right. I would video tape it on a VCR tape every week when it came on so that Kyle, who was always working, so that he and I could watch it together. I love that show. And I wonder if you can rewatch it somewhere. Surely you I don't can. Know. I think I feel like that... I'm gonna rewatch that now. 
I think you can because Corey and I have agreed to watch it next. I think he has it on Voodoo. I think he bought it okay. on Voodoo. Yeah. Okay. I'll have to look and see where all you can find it. But man, 24, that is a great series. Perfect for binge watching. That's another show I've never watched one episode of. Oh, you guys are in for a treat. I know. Has Corey watched it? Oh, he's watched all of it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Good. Yes. Kiefer Sutherland as Jack Bauer is just fantastic. I don't know if he'd be good at a dinner party. He'd be a little intense, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I want to take your word for it. Well, so much TV talk. I know so many people are watching so much more TV than they usually do because of our present circumstances. So if TV is on your mind and you want to tell us about who some of your favorite characters are, I hope you'll come find us on social media. Emily, remind people where we can find you. Yes, I am on Instagram at Emily34331. And I'm also active in the Sorta Awesome Hangout group. Okay. You can find me on social media at Sorta Awesome Meg. I'm definitely in the Hangout group for sure, both our regular one and the one for our superstars. Again, we would love to have you become a superstar and get tuned into everything that we're doing with Sorta Awesome Plus. Let's see, you can find the show on Twitter at Sorta Awesome Pod, and you can find us anytime on Facebook at facebook.com slash sorta awesome. Emily, thanks so much for being here today. This was so fun. Yes, thank you for having me. And you guys, thanks so much for listening and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created and is hosted by me, Meg Teets. Sarah Robertson is our assistant producer and production collaboration comes from Kelly Gordon and Rebecca Hoffer. Kelly Gordon is our digital media producer and we are so thankful for the ongoing support from our listener supporters. Music is provided by the band Prager. You can find more of Prager's music at pragermusic.com. To find show notes on this and every episode of Sorta Awesome, and also to spread the Sorta Awesome love to all of your friends, you can head on over to sortaawesomeshow.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.